You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective, a very special night. Two great coaches on one great show. Bubba Rosenbaum, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I am great because we have two of my favorite coaches on the show tonight. And uh, one that's the longest tenure coach at East Carolina. And we were just talking about that in the green room. And Bubba, very excited to have him back. Yeah, always enjoy talking ECU track and field with head coach Kirk Kraft. Coach, welcome back. Well, thank you guys. I uh, always look forward to being on your show, and you guys do an awesome job. Thank you, Coach. Uh, we were talking about it. Uh, hard to believe the time is flying. 18 years, really? Is it really 18 years with us? We came here in, um, in the fall of 2005. So, wow. And my, my wife is a school teacher here in Pitt County. And when we moved here, my one daughter was a junior in high school. So she went to South Central. And then we left our other daughter behind. We came from Reno, Nevada. And we spent 14 years in Reno. And my one daughter stayed back there, got married. She has a child. And uh, my other daughter lives here in town. And she's also got a little, a little boy. So I'm grandpa, two grandchildren. Wow, that, that's awesome. In fact, uh, I was talking to you in the green room about the importance of track and field. I mean, when you look at how many coaches that have been come and gone with the different programs, with track and field, there you could probably count them the le- as far as the history of the program, a handful, right? You know, everybody knows the legendary Bill Carson. Yeah, uh, he was there when I was there. Bill was here for 40-plus years, and... I think he passed away in 2012, if my memory serves me correctly. But I got a chance to work with Bill for um, from 05 to 08. Um, so I worked with him two or, two or three years. And then um, he moved down to the mountains in western North Carolina. And then I became the director of the program. So I came in as the women's coach. And then I assumed the directorship of both programs in the spring of 2008. But yeah, me and Bill. And then before that, you know, there was a guy by the name of Charlie Justice. Chew Justice was here for a minute. So I'm honored to be here for that long, you know. No doubt about it. And and talk about that, the stability of the program, the culture that you've built. uh, It means a lot when you can have like Carson, Coach Carson, yourself i mean there's a reason why you have olympic athletes and uh, why people choose east carolina because they know that it's a rock solid program you know and i think um that is so important uh dave that that you bring that up because i think that you know as i mentioned before we went on air here is that with with um you know tenure and stability comes success And 
I think one needs to come before the other. So having been here this long and being surrounded by a bunch of great assistant coaches, um, we've been able to accomplish some really, really neat things. And I've always said that it's not about me. It's about us. It's about the student athletes. It's about great assistant coaches. So when you put those things in place, um, you have nothing but a chance to have good success. And I, I don't take that for granted. You know, we've had a lot of individuals come through this program, both men and women that have gone on to the NCAA regionals that have gone on to the NCAA finals. Um, but I think that comes through hard work, through dedication, through setting a culture. Um, you know, last year we had that great lady pole vaulter here, which we were so proud of. And she just got married here a few short months ago in December, and now she's a nurse in Greensboro. So there's a lot of success stories like her. Tanita Butts was a great high jumper from Alexandria, Alexandria, Virginia, um, from T.C. Williams High School. We've had a number of great male throwers that have come through here. In fact, Eric Frazier is one that comes to mind. He just got inducted into the ECU Hall of Fame uh, this past fall with that class. So there's a lot of people that have come through here that I've been a part of, but it's all about recruiting. If you're not bringing the kids in and you're not making an impression on the, on the families and, and the young men and the young women, um, none of this, none of this can, can happen. So the parents have to trust you. Talk about that recruiting. Um, I know that you were, we can talk about some of the recruits, but that have committed, but uh, talk about, I know you're talking about building relationships, but talk about the importance of recruiting and, is that a fun part of the job for you? You know, um, there's a, yeah, that's one of them. There's a lot of fun things that we, we do um, as coaches. You know, there's some stressful things. There's some headaches that go along the way. But I think that when you bring these student athletes in and when you're talking to them over the phone and you're talking to them by Zoom, um, that's one thing that's changed dramatically since COVID hit is we do a lot of recruiting like, like we're doing here over Zoom phone calls, over the website. And it saves us from going out into high schools and saves us from going out into the homes. And we really didn't know a whole lot about this until COVID hit. So I think when you bring these families in, you only get one chance to make an impression upon them. So I think you have to make it, um, make an, an, an impression on these on these families and on these kids because these families know what they're looking for and these student athletes know what they're looking for. So when they come to East Carolina, we've been fortunate that we've got a beautiful community here. Um, we've got beautiful facilities. This community is purple and gold. Uh, you come in here and it's like a hidden gem. You know, I, I can't count how many times I've heard previous athletic directors and previous coaches come before me that have said, boy, if you can only get them out here, if you can only get them on campus, if you could only get them to see Greenville or only get them to see the campus. Um, and that is so true. And then once they get here, the parents and the kids go, you know, it's not no disrespect, but it'll go along the lines of something like this. Oh, I didn't know you had this. Or man, I didn't realize Greenville looked like this. Or I didn't realize you had a beautiful football stadium like this or baseball complex. So you got to do a sales job to get them out here. And 
Another thing, guys, we have to understand that we're in eastern North Carolina. So when you're recruiting somebody from the central part of the state or the western part of the state, you have to go by practically every school along 40 or 85 or 77 um, to, get, to get here. You're going by Duke. You're going by Carolina. You're going by State. You're going by High Point, Charlotte, Davidson, Western. I mean, just keep going until you get out here. So you have to bypass a lot of schools. And the kids on the other side of the state, they feel like this is on the other side of the world. When they're coming from Charlotte, you know, which is a short four-hour drive, they feel like that this is just on the other side of the country. It's kind of funny. I hadn't thought about that, about the, that very fact when if you're talking about recruiting and, and with all the schools in North Carolina, of course, our population is exploding, as you know, Coach, and which means that that's even more competition as far as the you're talking about schools with uh, different schools that have moved up to Division One, and uh, we could go on and on, but I hadn't thought about that for going west to east. People don't realize, it's funny when, uh, they think North Carolina is a small state. That's because they're driving north to south on 95. They're not going to make a interstate. They're trying to make it as fast as they can in the, the smallest part of the state to get from one state to the other. They don't realize that, man, from Murphy to Manio is, is a good haul. Well, in North Carolina, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're the ninth largest state in the union right now. Our population is correct. somewhere between 11 and 12 million. We're over 11 million, I think. And all you have to do is look at our electoral college um, and, and how many representatives we have. So it's it's a big state. And the reason I say that is I think we have over 50 universities here, 21 of them being Division One. So there's a lot of choices here between private and public. No doubt. But uh, when, like you said, once they come to East Carolina and they see Greenville, I mean, Bubba, you can attest. I'm going to pitch it to Bubba now. You can attest, Bubba, you've been a, he's been a pirate all his life. I was 13 when I became a pirate. I think uh, it's pretty much the same age that Kyle, one of the other co-hosts as well. We have a different story. Bubba was born into being a pirate, and we were a late bloomer, a teenager when we became a pirate. Yeah, um, Coach, Dave referenced, um, you know, obviously selling the program, and um, once you get them to campus, it sells itself. Uh, so before we talk about the here and now, you know, the, the Pirates that are uh, already a part of the program and uh, what you guys have had going on this spring and maybe even back in uh, you know, returning athletes from a year ago, uh, if you would talk about uh, some of the incoming incoming class for, for next year, because I know Carmelo Martin, he's one that immediately caught my eye uh, um, I, <clears throat> in high school. Certainly didn't have any uh, time anywhere close to this. I just ran track just to uh, get myself in shape for football. But um, I do keep an eye on the sprinters, uh, just since that's something I had done in the past. And uh, Carmelo Martin running a 10-5, 100 meters, um, definitely caught my eye. And I think he had, what, one of the top 60 times, 60 meters in the in the uh, United States. Well, you know, first of all, that we'll talk about you know, some of the current kids that are on our team. Um, you know, we've got two genders, obviously. And when you're working with a big team like ours, you know, you've got men, you've got women. So 
you got to divide your time up between those two programs. But we first and foremost, Bubba, we, we recruit North Carolina kids. I think we have to keep that in mind that you, you got to remember the hand that feeds you. So we, we concentrate on our state. Um, and then after we concentrate in our state, then we obviously go around the contiguous states that, that border um, North Carolina. You know, we recruit out of South Carolina, where Mellow Martin's from. We recruit a lot out of Virginia. Um, we recruit kids out of Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania. So the kids on our team, there's one guy that really stands out. He's a young man from Charlotte. You had a graphic of him up earlier, but Royal Burris. Um, yep, there he is. He, in fact, at that meet last year, he was the 200 meter champion indoors and he was the uh, runner up in the 60 scored 18 points at that conference meet. He's from Harding. I believe it's Harding university in Charlotte, North Carolina. So he is a, um, a senior, um, a COVID senior. He's still got another year. So he, he's just done a tremendous job for us. Um, a great leader, super young man. Uh, on the women's side, another one that stands out is a lady by the name of um, Malicia Muzan. And she's a sprinter from Heritage High School, um, the same high school that Jaden Gardner came from. She has done a tremendous job. You know, she's a 60-meter lady, 100-meter lady, 200-meter lady. Um, and she was one of the best as in her freshman year. She ran 730 in the 60. And she is one of the best ladies in the conference. Um so we couldn't be prouder of her. Those are two that, that stick out. But one of the things that we do in our program, David and Bubba, is we're well-rounded. You know, track and field's got 21 events outdoors, 17 events indoors. And we try not to specialize in any one event. We try to be a well-rounded team. We try to cover all the event areas, whether it's the triple jump, the high jump, the long jump, the relays, the hurdles. So if you're trying to do well in track and field, you're trying to score in as many events as you can. So we're a well-rounded team, both men and women. Um, you know, we've got a slew of great throwers on the women's side that we're so proud of that coach price does a tremendous job with. Uh, we've had transfers come in. We've had all kinds of people um, that have transferred from Barton um, college. We had a, gal that transferred in from North Carolina A&T this past year by the name of Jasmine Jenkins. That's a great thrower. Um, so the list goes on and on. And when you talk about recruiting, Bubba, we've signed some really good kids um, this past fall. Mello Martin being one of them. He's from South Carolina. He's a great 100-meter guy, great 60 guy. Coach Cheek does a wonderful job as you've visit with him numerous times, Bubba. He's a pirate. Coach Cheek's a graduate of, of this place. Passionate coach. So we signed another kid by the name of Jalen Green, uh, Green, which is from the Virginia Beach area. Um, we've signed some really good distance runners across the board. So just we're excited about everything that we're doing here right now. Um, but it takes a village, man. You know, you just can't do this with one or two people. Going back to Royal Burris, uh, I know um, here within the last week or so, a little over a week ago, 
Uh, I believe you guys were up at Virginia Tech, and uh, he had an excellent showing up there and earned AAC yep. Track Athlete of the Week honors. Yep, that's a great honor. Um, in our in our league, every week they they honor a male field athlete, a male track athlete, a female track athlete, and a female field athlete. So in the league, we have 11 women's teams. We have eight men's teams. Um, and it's a really good league, by the way, as you guys know. As you go, It's just a, it's a really good league, you know, with Cincinnati and Houston and UCF and Wichita State and Temple and UC, it just it's up and down the line. So to be named um, the male track athlete of the week amongst all those schools and amongst all those athletes was was a, a, a neat honor. And I believe he has gotten that in the past, at least once, maybe twice. So we were really proud of that accomplishment. One of our viewers, uh, Johnny Robertson, says, good evening, uh, Coach Kraft. Um, he notices that Carmelo Martin ran a 6.76.60 last month, and uh, he seems to be improving rapidly Rapidly, excuse me, over the last season, uh, if, if you would. Uh, you already touched on uh, Carmelo a little bit, but uh, tell us a little more about him. Well, when we brought him in for a visit, um, he um, – you know, he, he fell in love with the place. You know, Coach Cheek had recruited him, obviously, over the phone. And then he gets here. We set him up with a host. Um, I'm the host, and the kids did a great job with him. And he loved the facility. He um, really enjoyed our philosophy and, and what we had to offer. And as I was telling David earlier, this recruiting thing, Bub, is all about relationships. So when he came in here, he felt really confident about how we were going to take care of him. And, you know, this isn't always about power five schools. It's not always about the fanciest facilities. It's not always about, you know, this NIL thing where, where can I get the most money when it comes down to it? I really still believe the most important thing is the relationship between the coach and the athlete. And I felt like that, he saw that and it was very evident. So there were other things more important to to Mello Martin than just some of the things that we had mentioned. He was looking above and beyond the facilities. He was looking above and beyond the, the conference that the school was in. He was looking above and beyond a lot of those things. But I think the number one reason he ended up choosing here was because of the kids that were on the team and um, our coaching philosophy. And coach, you make a great point about that. Uh, kids are very smart today. They know about a lot of things. When a lot of us kids back in the day, we would just, uh, it'd be like blind luck. We would just pick it because um, the Peach Bowl, I had a lot of friends that pegged East Carolina because we won the Peach Bowl in 91 and they were a year or two younger than I was. And uh, so they picked it because we won a lot of football games, a lot of different reasons why, or uh, probably shouldn't mention, but the party school, or there's just different reasons why. Uh, they picked it, but you make a great point because I tell my son and daughter all the time, um, I want them to be a pirate, but I want them to be happy. I want them to make the choice that when in eight, nine years, when they're going to be at that age to pick a college, it'll not be because of dad, because I went there and my sister went to East Carolina, but it'll be because they really want to go to East Carolina. Correct. So coach, uh, talk about the events coming up. I know that 
you guys are just like year after year, you're always very good. But talk about what you have coming up and maybe some of uh, the home meets where we can come out there and support you. Um, we have a, a cross-country season, obviously, that's in the fall. That's our fall sport, both men and women. I think what people need to understand is that we're two genders. Um, we're, we're six sports. We've got three on the women's side, three on the men's side. So you have cross-country women, you have indoor women, and you have outdoor women. And the same way with the men. You have cross-country men, indoor men, and outdoor men. So we're six. ECU has 18 sports. We're six of the 18. We're like 33% of the sports in the whole entire department. And the reason I say that is because um, that's an important thing. We're representing with numbers. We're rep representing with gender. Um, so we have an indoor season and that just flew by and we've got one meet remaining. We leave, um, for Birmingham, Alabama, um, a week from yesterday. In fact, we bus it over there and we got two buses and that is the American athletic conference indoor track and field championship. So we have an indoor championship, um, which culminates a week from tonight. We'll be, um, finishing up our team meeting. And then the meet is on Friday, Saturday. So once we conclude that, then we go on into the outdoor season and we get to play um, under the sun. You know, right now we're inside a building. And one thing about our sport is it's kind of unique. Indoors, you run uh, with a 200-meter track. Outdoors is a 400-meter track. So indoors, you run twice around to get 400 and Outdoors, you won, You run once around to get 400 meters. So um, two completely different animals. You know, what do you have with indoor? There's no wind. There's no rain. There's no sleet. There's no hail. There's no snow. So the conditions are consistent. There's no wind to your back. There's no wind to your face. So indoor um, is run on a bank track, like a racetrack. And then you get into outdoor, and now you've got all these conditions. Wind to the side, wind to your face, wind to your back, raining, uh, cold. So the reason I tell you those things is because you have to be ready for those elements. Um, no different than what you have to be prepared for in lacrosse or soccer or even baseball and softball. So it's not perfect conditions um, once you get into the outdoor season. Now, with our sport, our kids would like it ideal every time they run. They want it 79 and a half with a two-mile-an-hour wind out of the north. So that's how we look. It, it's got to be perfect. And we try to teach them that it's not always going to be perfect. So you have to be able to perform under all conditions. So um, our indoor season will be wrapped up in a short week. And uh, thank you for helping me out because I'm trying to learn more and more. I know a little bit about track and field. And I did not know, by the way, Coach, I've known Bubba for almost five years. We, we've been doing the show that he ran track and field. I didn't know that. So until we've talked a lot about football, but I didn't know about that. So you always learn something. So I learned something finally at uh, 9.30 at night but uh, or 9.15 or whenever it was. But uh, I did want to ask on a sad note uh, your thoughts about Jeff Charles. I know that you've been here a long time with the university. Uh, it's really hard, and I love the fact I told you that. And what's great, and Bubba, I know, introduced me to you at the baseball game a couple years ago, and I knew of you, and we had you on 
before, but I see you at basketball, baseball, all these different events, and you've been here a long time. And Jeff, of course, 35 years. I just want to get your thoughts on him and what a great guy. We miss him a lot. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, um, well, first of all, I've known Jeff for, um, I'm completing my 18th year here. So I've known Jeff for 18 years and I knew him pretty well, you know, and obviously not as well as maybe like Carlester Kumpler would or Cy Seymour would or, you know, um, Marty Fuhr or, or, you know, those guys. But I knew him very well. And, and how I got to know him was he had, had me on. Um, I think it was called the Morning Drive uh, the on Pirate Radio. He had that morning show. And then I think he had an evening show, too, I believe, in the evening. The yep. So he had had me on numerous times over the years. He was always so cordial and always so supportive of our program. Um, you know, it's kind of like one of those um, 911 moments, if you will. You know, everybody kind of knew where they were at that day. Right. Well, in the world that we live in here in Eastern North Carolina and the world that we live in, in the pirate nation, you could kind of dumb it down to that uh, on a, on a, obviously a, a much smaller scale. But, you know, I knew exactly where I was at. I was at Virginia beach in my hotel room um, last Friday night. And we all do this. You look at your phones and you look at the website and I looked at the ECU website, and I and I saw that where it said ECU mourns, um, you know, the voice. And I looked at it once. I looked at it twice, and I thought, man, I just I I had I was taken back, like hundreds of thousands of other people were. So I knew exactly where I was at, and I'll always know where I was at when I when when that breaking news came across. But you know, Jeff. Um, Boy, you talk about iconic. I mean, he he would be the definition of a of of a legend in that broadcasting world. Very iconic was known across the nation in the circles that he ran in. And I know we're all you know replaceable, but it's going to be difficult. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be ever the same. I, I don't know how it could be somebody that was there that long and made an impact on so many different people. And one of the last times I visited with him was uh, I talked to him at the Wichita State home basketball game for a minute, but I talked to him at length. I believe it was the Temple home game. And he was really excited about this baseball venture that he was going to do. I don't know if you guys knew about that, but it was in Portsmouth, um, Ohio. Right. And he's originally from Michigan across the Michigan, Ohio line, I think, but Portsmouth, Portsmouth, Ohio, I believe is, is right on the line, but he was going to do this baseball venture. And he was excited about doing that. And he had showed, he, he showed me renderings or drawings of the, the uniforms and uh, the logo. So his wife, Debbie, I think, was an integral part in working on some of that. So we got to visit about this stuff at length, which was really interesting. So lo and behold, you know, no one could have guessed this one, but he is going to be sadly missed. Yes, he is. And uh, certainly you, you made a great point of, um, you know, 30. I was 15 when he started. 
I'm not anywhere close to 15 now. Um, the broadcast industry has changed so much that um, I, maybe there's going to be a few examples of uh, people across the nation that are like a voice who stay at, at one school for a long period of time. But I just don't think that maybe I'm wrong. Anything's possible. I just don't see a guy, a gal, a lady staying at uh, a school for 35 years. And uh, he was 70 years old, so half his life he spent in Greenville. Um, so I'm hoping that we can, I know they're working with the family administration is on doing something special to honor him. And, and I look forward to that because, uh, man, he gave thousands and thousands of hours. He even did a couple of years with uh, me for at the Eastern North Carolina School for the Deaf. I'd originally with a ride with a voice. He did that to raise money. I was working at the school teaching and coaching and we needed, um, you know, to raise money and he helped us out there. And then of course he moved it over for the school of nursing for the, uh, his daughter was of course killed in an accident many years ago, um, Heather. And um, he did that in honor of her because she was a nursing student at the time of her passing. So um, just a great guy. And that's the thing. He was one of those guys that, was very good, um, but a better person. He was a great at what he did, but very approachable. He, you, I don't think he ever turned anybody down um, talking to them in Pirate Nation. Anybody said, go Pirates, he spent time with them. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was a, a true professional from all sense. And he, uh, when he was locked in, as Cy Seymour has said many times, he was as good as anybody out there. And... Um, you know, legendary. So yeah, we'll be sadly missed and we'll all have to keep him and his family in our thoughts and prayers. No doubt about it. Uh, coach, I wanted to ask you as far as uh, I saw last summer, my, my son actually went to the Cliff Godwin baseball camp. So I had a chance to look at the track. I know they use it a little bit, um, but while I was out there, I haven't talked to you since obviously um, that time, but I wanted to ask you, is there anything that your program needs that maybe Pirate Nation, we can help you out? Are there like some things that any kind of equipment or things like that, we can help you out? Well, I appreciate you asking that. You know, that's, that's always um, a topic between, you know, coaches and administrators and facility people that, you know, what can you do to enhance, um, you know, your facilities and Cliff Godwin is a, is a prime example of that. He's done a great job of raising money for his facilities and his program. And he's got tremendous backing from a lot of different people. And you've seen how things have changed there, you know, whether it's down the left field line, down the right field line, um, the scoreboard, uh, seating. Um, they've got another big plan right now to do something down the uh, third baseline. But to answer your question, you know, it's, We've got a beautiful facility. You know, I think that one of our goals someday, David, would be is to host a conference championship. And, you know, one thing you need there, obviously, is, is um, you know, you need bleachers. Um, you need lights. And that's something that we've discussed over the years in the past. You know, those are big ticket items, obviously. Um, but you never know who's listening and who's willing to do what. But, um we've got a great facility. We've got a good footprint. Uh, we've got a great foundation. So to add to that, whether it be lights, whether it be lead bleachers, whether it be scoreboard, whether it be um, a timing system, you know, some of those items are big ticket items and some of them are medium, you know, 
ticket items and some of them are, you know, smaller ticket items, you know, such as hurdles and blocks and standards. And um, we're, we're really in a, an expensive sport. We've got a lot of got a lot of gadgets from pole vault pits to high jump pits to shot puts to hammers to discuses to javelins. There's a lot of artillery. So there's a lot of things that go into um, to, to what we do. I always tell people that we're, we're an organized three ring circus, you know, <laughs> we're like a buffet line. You know, you, when you go to a buffet line, which we've all been to, you've got a lot to choose from. And so that's track and field. Do you want to watch the long jump? Do you want to wander over to the high jump? Do you want to wander over to the hurdle race? Um, you can really get lost in the shuffle. You got to really, really keep your head on swivel literally so uh but it's exciting long days but exciting things to watch so yeah we could use help with any of those um above items that i just mentioned because i mentioned the uh told people with the pirates unite campaign i'm really happy with the success so far but i'm yep. hoping we can add like a sport like yours that uh, in other words the 60 million is a very ambitious campaign but we can't stop there we have to add to like with you guys there's uh, those things. I'm glad you brought those up tonight because I had never thought about that. So that's one of the reasons why we want to have you on is to get awareness for the fans and Pirate Nation to that. You know how we are, I, I don't know if you know this or not. I know you do. I'm just being sarcastic, but um, how rabid of fan base we are. If it's tiddlywinks, we're going to support our, our school. So however, you know, they shouldn't even let me in the school. That's a whole other show, but they did and I graduated. And so because of that, I'm very passionate, even more so about my school, um, the fact that they gave me an opportunity, a chance of a lifetime to come to a great school in Greenville. So, Well, uh, I look over your shoulder there, David, and, you know, that view we're looking at, you know, is we're looking at the the, the um, left field line. That's right. what we're looking at. And uh, we see the hitting facility behind you over your right shoulder. And um, over your left shoulder is where Starling hit that, Oh, yeah. Run um, to tie it up eight to eight. The reason I bring that up is because, you know, I'm a big baseball fan and I support Godwin and, and uh, what an atmosphere there last year. I mean, just the last one of those that I attended was South Carolina when uh, Billy Godwin was here and yeah. we had beat South Carolina and went to the Chapel Hill super regional, but that was electric. That was loud very loud i mean deafening and i mean loud i was in the jungle with my wife and my family and we were literally you know over your shoulders there seven eight nine deep with lawn chairs yeah and that went the whole perimeter from right field to left and yeah. the reason i bring that up is because there's when stuff like that happens it brings a community get together it brings uh, a state together there was a lot of engagement across the nation with that type of stuff with Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, it was on ESPN, um, ESPN plus. So it puts you on the map. That's a lot of free advertising, um, you know, for the school. And so that's a credit to coach Godwin and the baseball program. Definitely is. And uh, since you brought up the atmosphere at the regional as well as the super regional against the Texas Longhorns. Um, I had a 
high school baseball coach uh, from the Winston-Salem area who was standing by me on the concourse. This is a guy who played at another program in the state. Um, uh, he, he played at High Point, and you know, he's actually sent a player to East Carolina but had not been to a game um, but had been to the facility. But uh, you know, he was blown away. He said when he saw um, the atmosphere that we had in game one that Friday at noon against Texas, he said, I, he said, I can't believe this. He said, this is the SEC environment. And he said, this is right there, you know, with uh, you know, Ole Miss, LSU, Arkansas. He said, this this is tremendous. Yeah, it's, you know, I've been to um, the most, um, well, that was my first super regional that we've hosted, obviously, in Greenville. Um, there was one that was hosted in um, Kinston a number of years back. Um, and obviously, we've hosted numerous regionals but that uh, that atmosphere was was just it was a, just unbelievable and and then to be there sunday night until i don't know it was one in the morning i mean i stayed the whole time um it was late and the people were still into it yeah <laughs> even when the score was nine to one or whatever it right. was at one point they were they were still chanting purple and gold yeah, it's going to be great. In fact, I don't know if you know, Coach, but they actually uh, sold 2,700 season tickets, a new record for yeah. these 5,000. So great. Yeah, I, my wife had told me that, that they were sold out. and She's on social media. But, again, that's uh, they, they've got a great thing going there. I mean, well, there's... Pirates Unite Capital Campaign, um, obviously a big part of that is the IPF, the Indoor Practice Facility. And that's something that not only with Mike Houston um, and then the other outdoor sports like yourself uh, benefit from. So um, if you would just talk about um, all the all the ways the indoor practice facility would um, benefit you because you, you talk about not having lights. So if you needed to have a night practice or um, obviously lightning, uh, if it's if the facility is available, that would uh, allow you to get your practice in. Well, from what I understand, um, Baba, it's and don't quote me on this, but it is supposed to be an all all uh, a multi-purpose facility, um, with obviously a football field inside there. But from my understanding, everybody is supposed to have the ability to use it. You know, if right. if football's not using it, it's to my understanding that you're going to be able to hit some ground balls in there. It's to my understanding that you know, the track and field kids are going to be able to, you know, condition in there. Um, it'd be nice if they put some track lanes around the outside of the football uh, facility. That's how most indoor practice facilities are. They have a four or five, six lane track that goes around the perimeter. But anything at this point would be better than, than, than nothing. So um, that is, Bubba, one of the things that's, that's on the drawing board. I don't know when they're going to break ground for that, but that's a big piece of what they're trying to do here. And then I think once the money's in place, then we'll go to the next step. But yeah, that would be something that we would be allowed to um, get inside to. Coach, they actually uh, told me the Pirate Club, they're trying to, I'll add this and I'll pitch it back to you, Bubba. Uh, they're trying to have the money raised by the end of this uh, year being calendar year of 2023. And I don't know how long it'll take to build the indoor practice facility. I would imagine a year and a half or two years. I have no idea. Maybe not that long, but 
maybe Bubba would know more than I do on that, but um, that's very ambitious to have that. But at the same time, every day that we don't have the practice facility is a day that we're losing ground, or at least a little bit, in my opinion. All I was going to chime in with is, uh, you know, here recently I've watched a few videos uh, of Coach Prime, if you will, Deion Sanders, since he got that Colorado job and to Coach Kraft's point, uh, the Colorado indoor practice facility, you know, does have um, – they have such a nice one. that They're in the run uh, – I believe they run indoor meets there. So, um, but, but um, Coach Prime was checking out some of the, uh, the Buffalo uh, track and field athletes getting their work in yeah most of these um well i say most for a lack of a better term but you know like um university of washington has got a 300 meter track around um their facility um one that comes to mind at university of idaho has got a 300 meter track around their um facility where the where the vandals play um there there's a number of these places that now, there's also a number of them that, that don't have tracks around them either, that it's just Chapel Hill, for example. I don't know if you guys have seen Chapel Hill's new indoor practice facility. It's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. It's right next to the, the soccer complex and right next to the Eddie Smith Fieldhouse. They don't have a track around there. Um, NC State has got also an indoor practice facility right next to PNC Arena. And I believe they do have some lanes or something in there, but there, there's a lot of ways um, to configure these things. But it all comes down to money. Speaking of which, Coach, uh, you mentioned earlier, I forgot to ask you about that with uh, NIL. Is that a factor for you guys in your sport as far as for East Carolina? You know, David, it hasn't hit – well, I shouldn't say that. You know, I, I'm sure it's some of the, the power five schools at, at some of the powerhouse track and field programs like Oregon or LSU or Texas A&M, um, you know, places like that. I'm sure that they're being impacted by that. But we haven't seen much of that at our level at ECU. Now, there is some small things that are going on with some of these student athletes, you know, whether it be um, – you know, some food deals or restaurant deals or something along those lines, but nothing to the magnitude that we're seeing at A&M and football or, you know, Alabama and football and um, Florida. Yeah. It's boy, that's a whole nother can of worms right there, boy. You know, don't even get me on that soapbox, but it's a, it's, it's quite a deal. It's just, you know, our president of the NCAA, I don't know if you guys follow this or not, but, you know, Mark Emmert is no longer our president of the NCAA. They, I believe the congressman was from either Delaware or Massachusetts, New Hampshire. It was the governor. They hired a governor um, as the new NCAA president. And that just didn't happen by accident. They, they, they named him the president for a reason. And the reason is you need to be in Congress lobbying for things that that's where this position is. They need to have somebody in, in Congress to try to slow things down, speed things up, whichever way you want to go. But you know, the cattle are out of the barn right now and the chickens are out of the coop. And uh, it's pretty interesting. 
In fact, they filed a uh, NCAA Bubba helped me out. We had in our group text day of Pirate fans. You would know a coach, but um, we actually had one of our fans, one of our friends who um, had an article about how the NCAA had uh, went to the court of appeals to stop NIL. And I'm like, okay, couldn't you have done that a few years ago before we had NIL? It's like, it's already out there. Um, unless you get national legislation, it's about the only way you can regulate everything fairly and not have, I mean, that's where the wild, wild west is for me is some states are allowing this and other states are, I don't have any problems with necessarily paying the athletes as much as I do with what is permissible, what is not permissible. It's just a huge mess as far as that is concerned for me. Yeah, there's no governance. And um, I shouldn't say no governance, but there's there's just, just a lot. It's a complicated thing. And, you know, the NCA wants the institutions and the conferences to monitor this. They're all about deregulation. They want to continue to deregulate. You know, that manual used to be about that thick, and now it's a pamphlet. So um, I've never seen anything like this before. And, and I'm not saying the kids shouldn't get a piece of this pie because I think it was, you know, due time. You know, the coaches are making a lot of money doing this in certain sports, so I can understand where they were coming from with their name, image, and likeness. But, you know, to me, name, image, and likeness was, you know, doing a commercial or, you know, doing something, not, you know, getting paid $3 million to, that to me is is not amateurism anymore. And I don't know if you guys followed that Florida quarterback. There's a kid from California that committed to Florida and the Florida collective promised him a huge sum of money. And then they send the kid a letter and said, no, April fools. We're not going to come through with this. <laughs> Jaden Rashada. And he, he wound up uh, going to Arizona state. I, I don't he, know how, the, I don't know how the sun devils are going to compensate. Yeah. So the Florida, you, you know what I'm talking about, Bubba? You probably saw it. And yeah, they, I did. Um, they, and they let him out of his and crazy uh, sum. Like you said, was it 13 million? It was, uh, I want to say it was four million a year for four years, or three million a year for four right. years. Right. And, yeah, thirteen million over the course of his career. And then the collective said, "No, we're not going to do that." And they sent him a letter. And then the young man wanted out of his national letter of intent, <clears throat> and they did. So, you know, the collectives again. And if we got to go, we'll we'll hang up here. But these collectives, you know, they're the ones that run who's supposed to get what and we've got one here at ecu just get on the website we've got a collective the boneyard collective yeah. so what we're afraid of is if we don't have money in this collective that as you mentioned david that you know we're gonna fall behind but what i feel bad for <clears throat> are these supporters you know they're asked to give to the town bank tower. They're asked to give to the pirate club. They're asked to give to the capital campaign. They're asked to, you know, so, some, you know, where, where do you draw the line? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how things play out. Coach, uh, appreciate your time. Yeah. I know you've kept, kept you a little bit longer than expected, but uh, enjoy your visits every time you come on with us and uh, good luck to the, 
the outdoor events and actually your uh, the one more indoor event you have and uh don't be a stranger look forward to, i'll see you at a baseball game or yeah, uh, football basketball for sure yep and our home meet is march 31 and april 1st at the bill carson uh it's at the bill carson invitational uh and that's always a fun a fun meet so we do have the one home event and we look forward to that thank you coach appreciate you very much thank you guys have a good night go pirates bye-bye go pirates all right bubba always good to have coach Kraft on he's uh, one of my favorite coaches and again great to have him a part of pirate nation and makes you feel good knowing that you have such a great man and uh, leading the program there for track and field great visit with him great catching up with him uh, wow, tomorrow, it's less than uh, 20 hours away, something like that. I can't do the math off the top of my head at this hour, but uh, Pirate Baseball, by the way, if you're just joining us or you didn't know, the game has moved from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock because of the rain uh, coming in. So we look forward to the 6 o'clock start as we have Carter Spivey joining us. Uh, he'll be t- taking the mound and taking the ball, if you will, tomorrow night to kick off the 2023 baseball season. I can't believe it's finally here, Bubba. It's going to be so great. Yeah, always fired up about opening day. Um, Very similar to to opening day in football, in my opinion, just all the anticipation um, and um, the the excitement to get out and tailgate. Uh, So I think that's kind of the parallel there. And you, you talk about, Carter Spivey, what a year he had a season ago this year. You know, he's moving from uh, the variety of roles that he saw in 2022 to hopefully a consistent Friday night starter. I, I think that will go well. We shall see. And uh, Coach Godwin said he's he's performed very well in the, in the fall and uh, throughout the scrimmages this spring. And there's no reason to think that uh, he won't continue to have uh, an awful lot of success. The, 2022 AAC Pitcher of the Year. And then on Saturday, uh, you're going to have in Game Two, um, Trey was Savage. Uh, last year, um, the first part of the year, struggled to find the strike zone. This second half of the year really came on strong and uh, was a key cog in us making the run we made all the way to Game Three of the Super Regional. Um, started throwing strikes. Uh, only had a couple pitches, but he came in. In key situation after key situation, and uh, got out, got out of bases loaded jams, you know, first and third, uh, one out, uh, but jam after jam, and he, he would find a way to uh, wiggle his way out of it, and uh, and you know, escape the jam uh, without giving up any any runs or uh, minimizing damage. And then on Sunday, Josh grows. Uh, he's going to be starter and then uh, behind the plate obviously Ben Newton um, moved on uh, he exhausted his eligibility but you have uh, probably one of the better or as good a catching situation as anyone in the nation uh, I know uh, Cliff was talking about it recently in an interview and he just said you know with, with Will Coxon and then um, and then also uh, you know Brian um, sorry uh, Ryan McChrystal uh, Ryan McChrystal, um, those two uh, give you unbelievable options there. Uh, McChrystal is battling a little bit of a 
uh, injury at this point. Uh, I believe it's a back injury, um, but uh, that injury's not allowing him to uh, probably see an awful lot of playing time this weekend. We shall see, but Will Coxon will get the starting nod tomorrow. Uh, obviously, at third, you have AMAC who will be starting. Joey Barini and uh, and then Jacob Starling in the middle and Josh Moreland over at first base. Then in the outfield, you'll have you'll have JC in center, um, shifting over from right field where he spent last year um, after working last preseason at first base. Um, he obviously uh, came into his own at right field and unbelievable season at the plate. And then the uh, always exciting, always reliable Lane Hoover in left field. And then um, out and right this year, it, it will probably be Carter Cunningham, but we shall see. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's uh, well, Crystal, I didn't realize that. So uh, one of the things I've been saying, as you know, Bubba, preseason is that I guess kind of the hot stove league for us around here is uh, the fact that the only thing that concerns me with the pitching and then obviously the team in general, it may sound like a cliche, but this team is loaded, uh, a lot of great talent, and uh, the injuries is the only thing. I think there was some coach alluded to that, uh, not to get into that, but just uh, things going behind on the scenes last year. Um, But this year they're very hungry, they're very focused, and so that's, uh, that's something that, uh, remains to be seen how the season will play out, obviously. But uh, let's hope that the injuries are very, very few because I have a good feeling this is definitely uh, the one thing I can say about Coach Godwin Knight and Palumbo being he's the uh, recruited director is they built basically a super regional program. Don't you think, Bubba, at least every year now? I'm sorry, I, you broke up there. I was saying, don't you think that the coaches have built a super regional program? I mean, with the talent they have, you're looking at at least a regional, super regional every year based on, I'm talking about paper, not that, that it can happen or doesn't happen, but it just on paper, the talent is there to at least, at least make a regional or super regional every year. Oh, yeah. I mean, just look at the results you know, since 2018. I mean, we've been hosting regionals and then three consecutive super regionals. Um, so that's, uh, like you said, it's not going to happen every year, but um, the program has progressed to the point. And, and Cliff, Coach Palumbo, and staff, Austin Knight, um, they've stockpiled so much talent. And, um, right. That, you know, if, if we handle our business, and you hear Cliff say that all the time when he's asked about uh, the upcoming opponent. He said it's no disrespect to them because if we don't play the way we can play, uh, we'll get beat. But, um, you know, we're focused on putting the best foot forward for the Pirates. And if we do that, then more often than not, we'll be okay. No doubt. And, uh, by the way, uh, I saw today reading up, uh, we were full disclosure, Bubba worked really hard to try to get the head coach of George Washington so we'd be able to play it for you tonight for our preview. But I know they're very busy getting ready for the series with East Carolina. But my my recollection reading this afternoon, knowing we're having the show tonight, is they had 23 uh, wins last year. Is it 22 or 23 wins last year for uh, the Colonials? So we'll see how it's uh, 
going to play out. But I can tell you that I last year with Bryant, when they were swept, that left a, a bad taste in the mouth of the fans. But imagine the coaching staff and the players, how they felt. And coach pretty much said, um, it's a lot different this year inside that clubhouse, Bubba. Um, not to say anything can happen, um, but um, if they go out there and play, like you said, like they're supposed to, um, then you should see two out of three or a sweep this weekend. And obviously with uh, with that, with a series, uh, we want to remind everybody again, just joining us, that tomorrow night's game starts at 6 o'clock. Bubba, I can't wait for that. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I don't know the times, is it 2 and 1? Yeah, 2 o'clock and 1 o'clock, but that's obviously subject to change. Uh, with tomorrow's forecast, um, we shall see if we, um, fingers crossed, that we're able to get it in and uh, don't have to play a doubleheader on, on Saturday. But um, as of now, um, things uh, are on just being bumped back a couple hours from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we can get that game in tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, there's um, – a lot of people know, uh, where's David going to be tomorrow afternoon, early evening? I'll be right there, Clark O'Clair. And uh, Bubba, are you going to be able to make the trip? I haven't even had a chance to ask you this week. Uh, if I do, uh, it, it would Weekend. be on Sunday. Um, kids have stuff going on on Saturday. They've got basketball games, but uh, we'll certainly be tuned in and, uh, and following things, watch, watching on ESPN+. Plus and, uh We'll see if I'm able to make it on, on Sunday, but uh, definitely plan on uh, – I'd love to get to the games next weekend. I've got to look at the kids' schedules. Uh, if nothing else, I'll be in Chapel Hill on Sunday if I can't make either of the games in Greenville. But uh, I, I think what I may end up doing, uh, I may be able to make the, uh, the Friday night game and then the, the Sunday game. Yeah, for me right now, the good news is Bubba. We uh, doesn't mess up my. We don't have a game this weekend. It's like a bye week, if you will, for rec basketball in Williamston for my my boy and girl. So uh, it's great. It works out great that I don't have to worry about ball games, and I can focus on the ball games of East Carolina. Um, by the way, Bubba, really excited for both men's and women's basketball. I want to be able to touch on that too. Last night, it was very strange. I had. Uh, I had the men on my on my um, iPhone, and I had the ladies on my TV, and um, watching them. And both of them got down, and it was really bizarre, but really cool um, moment. I don't know if you know this, Bubba, but they both were coming back. Of course, the ladies didn't have the big deficit that the men did, but they both came back at the same time. That was really, really cool. A really cool experience to have. Uh, really proud of Kim McNeil, what she's built in year four. Uh, there with the women's program, Maya Joyner, all the men. Uh, Danae McNeil had uh, 30 points. I believe that's off the top of my head at the end of the game. Uh, 30 points. She was just uh, amazing. But Pirates win again. The the Lady Pirates were winning at Cincinnati with the Bearcats. And the men, you know, that unbelievable comeback. And, Bubba, I heard off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember, but I believe it was 1981. This is the biggest comeback since 1981. And that may be right. Uh, I, I don't think it's the the largest comeback. Uh, it's the largest. Comeback. It's the uh the it was the 
tenth largest comeback. Um, I know it was one of the bigger second half comebacks, um, but not sure, not sure exactly. Not nonetheless, I mean, it was remarkable uh, because we could not uh, get a stop, and and we, we went from not being able to get a stop because um, when even though we weren't getting stops, we were still hanging in. Um, down 10, it would go back to 15 or 16. Down 11, it would go back to 16. We just couldn't get the game in single digits because we weren't getting those stops. But then the final nine minutes, we outscored the Bearcats 26 to 6. And um, R.J. Felton, after uh, you know, a very poor start shooting the basketball, he um, he knocked down four out of his last five, made some unbelievable plays like the play uh, saving the inbounds pass there where uh, I believe it was Jaden Walker just had to throw it up to avoid the five count. And uh, and uh, the stars aligned, like Michael Perry said. Uh, we, we did what we had to do, and uh, it's almost like everything that needed to happen happened. And uh, you know, to our credit, give our, give our guys who were um, obviously mentally and emotionally drained over the last four or five days with what they witnessed down in New Orleans, uh, give them so much credit for, for – um, you know the tremendous heart they they showed over the last ten minutes, and uh, just continuing the battle and found a way to get it done. Right, and uh, by the way, the uh, men now thirteen and twelve, so they're over five hundred. Happy with that four and eight in the conference, and they have a game at uh, SMU on Sunday. I believe that's on ESPN Plus. The women are going to be at the same time as the baseball on Saturday. As of right now, unless they change the baseball schedule, but uh, for the for the first pitch for Saturday, but the uh, women have a game at two o'clock on Saturday at the same time baseball. So Bubba, uh, for me, I'm going to be walking back and forth. I uh, love Kim McNeil, love obviously Cliff Goblin, what he's done with the program. So that'll be a lot of fun for sure. So um, by the way, if you want to check out all the information, just go to ecupirates.com. want to remind you about tickets for football, 1-800-DIAL-ECU, ecupirates.com. And uh, you can call for that. Uh, Bubba, some great programming. I know with uh, Coach Connors, I want to plug that before we get out of here and our great sponsors. Yeah, go back and um, check out our YouTube channel and our playlist. Um, Coach Connors, Absolute Empowerment. Um, Here recently, he's caught up with Rod Coleman from the 90s, um, a guy who had the opportunity to to play in a Pro Bowl, uh, also a, a former Pirate who was a Pro Bowler, Vontae Leach. Um, you had Jeff Carr, um, Emac, um, Junior Smith, and so many excellent interviews with Coach Connors. So definitely go back and check those out, as well as some of our uh, Pirates Life for Me, uh, where I've caught up with various Pirate fans, uh, Shane Carden, and then uh, also um, you know, other you know, famous football alums or maybe maybe alums of uh, other sports as well. Uh, great stuff there. By the way, Sunday night, Bubba, uh, we have our 2023 uh, inaugural, I guess the premiere again, uh, or our season, uh, what we call for baseball, and that is uh, Extra Innings. That's our great show we do every Sunday night, and we'll have our first one right after GW. And that'll be great on Sunday night. And we'll uh, keep fans uh, with uh, social media. We'll let you know the exact timing is the moving parts. We have to get everybody together. And so um, that's going to be very exciting and hard to believe. But uh, we started 
extra innings in 2019. So 2019, 20, 21, 22, 23. I think it's what is our fourth season of uh, extra innings off the top of my head. So look forward to that. Want to uh, before we go, want to say uh, give a shout out to LK Construction. Uh, appreciate uh, our good friend Kevin Walker for the custom homes there, LK Custom Homes. And uh, give him a call, 336 688 8461. Kevin Walker, KK Walker is the best. We appreciate you, Kevin, very, very much. And obviously, pgxgloves.com, uh, PGX Gloves, you can go there. Um, Got to do that. I'm glad you reminded me of that at Bubba. Custom baseball gloves. Uh, we'll get those for my kids for baseball and softball uh, this coming month in March. I have to have those, so I'll do that. They have football gloves, swag apparel, so much more. And by the way, and the promo code put ECU, and you get 25% off. Appreciate Mark Manikazi, a great pirate legend, play third base under uh, Mark Maisie, and uh, we appreciate him very much for the support of the program. All right, Bubba, appreciate you very much, bud. Uh, we got to get out of here. Thanks to Coach Kurt Kraft for his uh, drop-by visit uh, with Track and Field. We appreciate him of uh, the support of the program. Uh, for several years now. We appreciate him very much. Bubba, do you have anything before we go? No, I look forward to an excellent opening weekend for Pirate Baseball. Let's put up a broom and um, get the season started on the right foot um, before heading down to Bowie's Creek for a midweek. Yeah, the schedule, man, is uh, one of the toughest in the nation. And uh, again, just go to ecpirates.com if you want to check that out. But a long, long, a lot of ACC, Campbell, um, then, of course, Clark LeClaire. Uh, Clark LeClaire is the Keith LeClaire Classic in early March. So a lot of uh, great baseball to be had coming up very soon, starting tomorrow night at 6. All right, thanks to again to Bubba Rosenbaum for producing, being behind the scenes, helping out with the show as well on air, and he does it all. Kurt Kraft, the track and field coach. I'm Dave Richmond. Enjoy your, the rest of your Thursday evening and Friday. Good night, everybody. Go Pirates. Down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going like a